Alright, Kuya. Let's do this. 2400 block. Wow, it has certainly been a while, everyone. Welcome to 2400 Block, a Johnny Rubes and Company podcast. It is yours truly here, Johnny Rubes. And it's very nice of you guys to join us right here in the middle of our mid-season break in which things have slowed down considerably for the time being. However, today is a day I can do a podcast. Boy, do I have a lot on my mind here on a Saturday morning. And in a few, I have one of my regulars joining me, and he is none other than Dan the Man Bale. But before I go on, I would like to give a special shout out to the following individuals. Reggie from Virginia. Get well, bro. It's good to know you're pulling through like a champ you are after your operation. Best wishes on a speedy recovery, my friend. Tolu from Chicago. I appreciate you for being a great friend. Man, you are like our Giannis Atentacumpo. We hope to have the best back at the workplace real soon. Oh, and thanks for also being our cover dude for the Minimalist episode. Sharon Masaren from California. Hey, it's good to know you're back to doing what you love, and that's touring and singing out your tunes in front of a live crowd. Keep at it. Gene from Chicago. So great to meet one of the most coolest people. Very, very thankful in getting a chance to know you. And to our loving white family that's everywhere. Bill, Jill, Tab, Beth, Chris, Mommy Jean, and Jackson from Illinois. Frank, Mindy, and Mike from North Carolina. Josh in South Carolina. Sam and Jason, Kentucky. And Cody in Arizona. Well, actually, Sam and Jason are in Tennessee now. My apologies. Here's hoping we all get together soon for a holiday feast. All right, so I'm going to go over the remaining shout outs towards the end of the episode. And now. Let's have a warm welcome for Dan the Man Bale. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. I appreciate it. No problem. Glad to be here, as always. All right. So how's life going for you, my friend? Uh, it's going good. It's going, uh, busy, you know, um, just staying busy with work. Um, you know, I have the opportunity to kind of be flexible and mainly work from home now. Um, but there's just so much going on with with work with my my own business and just uh trying to to get everything in order you know that's life right yep that is life and and as for me well i've been consistent with things working my job spending an hour or two every day working chapter on my book you know curating another music playlist on my spotify account spending time with my closest circle like yesterday i'm sure you've seen the pics on facebook oh yeah definitely (laughs) yeah and and yeah and I always see you uh, getting progress on your book. Can't wait for that to, to, to be complete. And we can all uh, read the hardcover at it. You know, you know, oh, yeah. Pick it up from Amazon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be great, too. You know, you being, you know, my consultant of sorts on this <laughs> on this book project that I'm, I've been doing, that I've just been so doing these last, what, almost a year, year and a half now. Feels mm-hmm. like forever. And I just can't wait to, to finish and get it done, possibly by wintertime, let's hope. All right. All no, right. No rush. Take, take your time and, and you know, <laughs> make it yours. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right, folks. For the next couple of minutes, I'm going to go over these scenarios and situations based on real life, but I'm not going to give out any names and I'm not going to put you on the spot. So, uh, and Dan here is going to provide his input on each one. Hey, you ready, my friend? 
Yes, I will do my best. I'll see what I can do. All right. All right. Scenario number one. Okay. There's a four month old baby. He is like the cutest thing. Mother hasn't been back to work since then and have already passed her maternity leave. The boyfriend doesn't work. It seems like he's not motivated at all uh, to look for a job. His mom's uh, living on a disability check for the last couple of years and doesn't seem to be pushing her son to be responsible. And as for her parents, they want him to look for a job good enough to support their daughter and their grandson. But they can't really say that to him right now because of her. She loves him so much and will defend him at all costs, even when he does nothing at this point. Okay, Dan, how can this be resolved, you think? Who? Uh, well, it's a tough situation. Um, well, first off, let me say that, yeah, I'm, I am not a professional at this. I'm not a professional at anything, so much uh -huh. like, yeah, this is just my opinions and, you know, maybe need some advice on what might help. Um, first off, yeah, if, if She's not working, you know, she's passing maternity leave and then a boyfriend doesn't work, you know, that's a tough situation for trying to raise a child, um, especially a newborn, you know, you've got so many expenses to go through. Mm -hmm. I, I think as for parents the, the, and her family, uh, the first thing they, they should do when, when trying to talk to her about her situation, and it's not just her boyfriend, I mean, if she's not working either, but we, we know that there's, you know, who's going to take care of the child too, you know. Um, but, uh, the thing is, don't be negative. Um, I know if you're really passionate about, you know, seeing somebody doing something wrong, um, it's human nature. It's like, like, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing this? But mm -hmm. the more that you're negative when trying to do that, the more you're just going to push the person away. That's true. People just do that. You know, they, they hear somebody kind of nagging them and they're like, I'm just going to do the opposite just because. Right. Um, I think something else that they, they probably need to do is to reason with her about making it about the child not like hey you know your boyfriend is a deadbeat he's not going to take care of you it's like you know how are we gonna how are you going to care for this child you know if neither of you is working um and if he has no interest in work you know you have to be responsible and otherwise the child is going to suffer um and also when speaking to her i mean just use facts um Usually people like to bring out emotions and what they think their opinions are. And when you're trying to reason with somebody to try to tell them about a, a situation that they need to change, you know, they're going to like, oh, well, you're, that's just what you think. And then you're only doing this for yourself. You're only thinking about yourself. But when you bring out facts like numbers, figures, you know, hey, you're not going to be able to, you know, to buy food or diapers, you know, that's, that's things that are, that's hard to argue with. And if it gets down to it, I think the very last thing is, if she just doesn't want to listen and is just still stuck in this world, the best thing to do is to not help. Not, don't, you know, don't give her a place to live. Don't, you know, give her money to help her out because then you're providing a crutch. You're providing a way out for her and she's going to be reliant on it. You know, she's going to like, oh, well, I don't need to work because my parents are, you know, giving me a place to live and they're buying my food. And I know mm -hmm. it's tough, you know, for, for like me growing up, you know, in the Asian Pacific Islander household, you know, it's, it's, you know, you want to take care of your family, and yes. you know, as parents, you know, you, you don't want to see your children suffer, but sometimes you do need that tough love, especially if if they're just not hearing anything else. So, I don't know. What do you think? I agree with your assessment there, sir. Um, 
I think there should be like a, like a, you know, like the, the town hall meeting like they usually do on the news. It needs to be something mm -hmm. like that between both parties and to come mm -hmm. up with to come up with a solution to to whatever it is that they need uh, work on. Uh, yeah, on, yeah on, definitely. regarding and him, regarding her. I just think that just there just needs to be a solution. And, and of course, you got to keep it positive. You definitely mm -hmm. you definitely don't want to trigger uh, something negative because that's just mm -hmm. that's just worse in itself. It's just it's just going to make the whole atmosphere just terrible on, on both. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like your idea of that panel because, yeah, you don't want to just talk to her about him uh -huh. uh, because it's feeling like you're excluding him and he is a big part of it. So, yeah, talk to both of them, sit down with both of them. And, you know, when I said don't provide help, like I said, that's like a last resort. But yeah. if you're saying, hey, you need to find a job, if you can't help saying like, hey, I have a, a friend who has an opening at this job here, you know, or I'll help you look, I'll help you with, you know, what you need to try to find a job. I'll drive you to your interview, stuff like that. You know, that, that, that's stuff that, you know, that their, uh, friends and family do, you know. Um, but like I said, just at the very end of the day, if they're like, oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I don't want your help. Then, then, yeah, you got to bring out the, yeah, tough guns there. That part where you say that um, that you won't be able to that they won't be able to help them at that at that point afterwards if, if nothing can be done, of course you're mm -hmm. also going to add on to the fact that uh, that they're going to say uh, we're going to be there for the child as much as we can to make mm -hmm. sure to make sure he's fed he's taken care of but it's it's up to you guys to to really work this out to to make things happen on a good note. To make sure yeah, that you guys that you guys are uh, are doing what you're supposed to do to be responsible adults, to be responsible responsible parents to that child. Exactly, but you know, and it, and it's tough even then when, because you know, you really don't want this this innocent child to suffer. I mean, this mm -hmm. child is just brought into this world. Um, but you know, at, at that same point, if if they're constantly buying formula and diapers and providing for the child for everything. That's, that's, a, that's also a crutch. It's like you have to kind of find that way of helping the child without being the actual support. You know? Yeah. Well, well, I hope uh, in real life that this uh, couple uh, are going to work things out. Hopefully they'll, they'll somehow find a way to motivate themselves to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, really. I, I, I mean, I wish them the best of luck and I, I hope that they see that, you know, it, it's about you know, their child about the baby and, you know, and providing the best for, for their baby because, you know, like I said, it's, it's an innocent life that can't take care of itself right now. And, you yeah. know, and you brought them to this world, so you got to be responsible. Exactly. All right. We're going to move on now to scenario number two. Uh, let me read this one here. It says, couple had it made they were engaged they were about to become future homeowners together having the keys to a new home then it's revealed that the male cheated twice at work with females and he works some medical type job in a hospital he's not a doctor he's not a nurse he just works some something you know in the hospital and his fiance knew about one of these flings and and for gibson for the time being she got like this uh kind heart giving him a second chance but you know a cheater is always a cheater so the couple broke up and he immediately gets engaged and then marries one of the ladies he had an affair with. And I'm sure they have a home now. Um, the former is devastated and she's crushed. How can she go on with her life trying not to think about them, especially being that they all reside in a mid-sized city that's small? And uh, yeah, yeah, Dan, how can she go on with her life? 
Wow, I mean, I feel for her. That's tough. I mean, I'm, I, I guess what she needs to do is, you know, she needs to definitely give herself time to grieve. I mean, it's, it's a loss. Like losing a loved one, she, she lost a relationship. She lost what she potentially thought was, you know, going to be the rest of her life. So you do have to give yourself time to, to be sad about it. But part of the grieving process, of course, is acceptance at the end. So you just can't stay in that mode forever. So once she gives herself the time to be upset about it, if she wants, you know, because everybody reacts to, to, you know, to things differently and everybody has their own pace. Um, I think it's important that she figures out why she's upset. Um, because she could be, is she upset because she is sad about the loss of what she could have had? Or is she upset about thinking that why wasn't I good enough? And he chose this girl so quickly over me. And that's kind of uh, a thought process that she shouldn't take because, you know, it's not her fault. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that happened to her, but, you know, this has nothing to do with her. You know, if he's cheating, you know, on somebody else, because if, you know, if he's not happy with the way that the relationship was going, then it was up to him to say, hey, okay, we're going to break up and not cheat. You know, if if you're not happy, go on. To, to you know, move to somebody else. You know, man up and do that. Um, but she needs to know that it's it's, it's not her. And um, like I said, uh, understand what she's actually you know upset about, why she's crushed, and 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 realize that yes, it's okay to be sad about losing the relationship, but it's not okay to say that um, I'm not good enough, and that's why he did this. And um, even if you know she's still sad about it in the future, because like with any loss. You're always still going to think about it, but you can't let it drive drive you daily. You, can, you can't let it be, you know, take up space in your head. Yeah. Um, you know, put it in the back of your mind and say, okay, well, this is something, and this is something that I learned from. Um, and uh, she also has to understand that um, it's, it's, you know, well, I hate to say, you know, the good out of the bad, but, you know, at least it happened now before they were, you know, and together bought a house together and it would get a lot more complicated. So um, at least it happened in the early stages. So, you know, take your time to grieve, but like I said, understand, you know, why you're upset and know that it's not your fault. That's true. And uh, being it that it's also a, a small size city that they uh, live in or a small size community, she has mm-hmm. to, uh, she has to willingly accept this, even if it's not, you know, if in, even if she's not going to like it, even how painful it's going to be, because because you know, some someday she's going to face them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and the you know the best thing is for her to be to be strong to to show that it, it had you know that she's gotten over it. Mm-hmm. You know it, it, you know, and with it being like you said, a small size city, you can't always run from it. If you you know see him at functions and if they have the same friends. It's like, you know, you're going to have to accept that you may see him. So you can't just always say you don't. She shouldn't put her life on hold because of him and say, well, I can't go to these functions because he's going to be there. Um, but what she does, her plans, her life, that's what's most important. That's what she has to, to prioritize is is her. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's very true. And she had to she had to keep herself very very stronger emotionally. I mean, first first couple of days, maybe up to a month, depending uh, mm-hmm. on, on how how strong and resilient she is. Um, it's going to be 
uh, it's going to be a, a, a ride, uh, you know, a bad ride for a while. But um, mm-hmm. once it's she passes, once she passes that, and she um, can just uh, you know maybe do other things, do other activities, something that can just take her mind away from from that, from from even thinking uh, of her ex. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and 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 she needs, like I said, make herself the priority in her life. Yeah. You know, when when she needs. If she sees him and she and you know she's sad, you know she's putting him on that pedestal. She's keeping him on that pedestal, and she's got to remember what he did, you know, what he did to her. You know, mm-hmm. I, and I understand that you know they, I'm sure they had great times together, and that's what she wants to hold on to. And you know that's that's fine to think about, but at the end of the day, he's not more important than she is. Yeah, good point. Hmm. All right, on to scenario number three. Someone is new to the country and lives in a populous city for over a year now. He utilizes ride-sharing as a means to get himself around to a work neat site, which is like far away in another borough. In going home, he takes public transportation. In his case, it's the subway train. If his work assignment happens to be near his residence and does not require a work neat site, he makes the effort to drive his own vehicle, which is a smart car. He takes it only to the local roads and not the expressway, which poses to be a challenge for him. You know, you see, he's not used to it. Imagine being in his shoes, crazy drivers left and right, going at tremendous speed. And thus, this leads back to square one on why he has been going with the options of ride sharing and public transportation in the first place. Ride sharing is difficult when rates go sky high at the time of needing a ride. Imagine going through that burden every day like he did. I definitely feel him on that. And the expenses took a huge chunk of his weekly pay, having only little left for himself. The rates are absolutely ridiculous and unaffordable. This affects his work attendance, in which there are times he can't even make it. Then there's the public transportation, the subway. It's tough when the route is going to and from a bad area of the city. He witnesses a violent act happening right in front of him. Youths and gangs are holding knives as an attempt to fatally stab their rival. A protective passenger told him to hide in plain sight and remain quiet. And in spite of that scary moment, he still continues to ride the subway train. He has to work to make a decent living. Dan, what should this person do next? I to say it. It sounds like he needs to move. I mean, it's just so many red flags against him. I, uh, you've got a job. One, you've got a job mm-hmm. that's not consistent in where you meet. So... You, you you can be, like you said, in another borough, you know, which could be like an hour and a half, you know, or it could be close to you, but it's, you're, you're spending money on ride sharing and subways and those expenses, you know, cut into your job. You know, it, say if he's making $60,000 a year as job, mm-hmm. you have to think about it. You're not really making $60,000 a year if you're spending $12,000 a year in uh, transportation costs, you know, and people can say, Oh, well, you know, with any job, you, you know, you drive your own car, but your car is for yourself. You can take your car anywhere, not just for your job. What he's paying for ride sharing and the subway is directly for going to work. So it's a, an expense only for work. Yeah. And it, you know, you know, five days a week, um, you know, for a year, that's like 260, 261 days, you know, multiply that by, you know, by, I don't know, 50 bucks a day. You know, especially, you know, because I know that it's got to be exorbitant in a, in a uh, big city to do like ride sharing. You know, that's like, I don't know, 12 grand. Uh, oh, wow. So, 
that's, that's a big chunk. So your your job doesn't sound as uh, as you know as great if you're thinking, well, you immediately have to take twelve grand off the top because to pay for just going to work. And if it's if there's like violent acts, I mean, is it worth it to be in the city? And I, I know it's a it's a huge life of life event to, to move, but look at where the situation. Um, if if you can move somewhere that's safer, lower cost of living, where you can have a job that you don't have to worry about, like driving, where you can actually drive your car because you know the the, the streets aren't so bad. You know, yeah. you don't go to places like New York or DC or Chicago. Yes, traffic can be scary for people who, you know, who don't drive in places like that every day. Um, so. I hate to say it, but it, you, you might want to take a good look at at moving, you know. And like I said, it, it sounds like a, a big step, but make these steps now. If, if he's in a point in his life where um, if he's not married, if he doesn't have a mortgage, is living in an apartment, then, yeah. I mean, you don't have, really have anything holding you back. And there's always a million, you know, reasons to say not to do something, but you have to think about what's best for you in the long run. I think too that the person must overcome his fear if he's on the road, because in in, in this scenario here, based on a real life uh, situation, it's actually a uh, a forty minute drive. So you see, if the person uh, lets go of the fear and just takes the interstate, um, just relying on faith, I yeah. think uh, that can work out for the time being. Um, yeah, I mean because yeah, I mean when you make a, a big choice. To do something like moving, yeah, you're not going to be able to do it right away. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you, you know, stuck in your lease in your apartment, and you have to, you know, give it another, you know, six, eight, twelve months, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to find out what to do in the time being. So that is one thing is to, to, you know, kind of learn to to get over that fear. And and it's tough because, you know, driving. It's you can be the safest driver in the world. It's all about the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, most definitely. So it's just that you have to know how to to react but you know accidents happen every day and but you know people may say well you know if if he's taking public transportation anyway why not just sell your car and you know okay you can sell your car but that's such a short-term solution because okay you sell your car for like 10 grand and like i said if you're taking public transportation every day you know and you're spending 50 50 bucks a day i don't know if my math's right but i'm saying you're be spending 12 grand a year in transportation costs. So selling your car for 10 grand is only going to hold you off for a year, <laughs> you yeah. know? Now so this, it's, uh, this would be, yeah, chal- this would be challenging if it was a car loaned by a family member. Oh yeah. That's yeah. even, yeah. Different. Even yeah. It's, it's a little bit going to be, it's going to be different a little bit, uh, on that. And you know, there's other factors involved. It's like, what if he says, well, all my family is here. Yeah. Um, and people don't want to move away from their family, but, you kind of have to make that hard decision. Whereas, okay, well, if that's what's important to you, then something has to change. If you if you really have to stay in that city, then you need another job. You know, that's true. Like I said, if if you think that you're making good money at that job, you have to subtract the, the cost of actually getting, you know, that that's directly affected to, for actually having to work, which is transportation costs. So, um, if you say, oh well, my job pays sixty thousand dollars a year. But if you find a job that doesn't require you to travel, that's $48,000 a year, then it's, it's equivalent. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, traveling 
in 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 time. That that's another thing. You know, you're you know somebody that's forty minutes an hour away just to travel to your job. You know, and that's you know each way. That's you know up to two hours of your day that's wasted. So, yeah, if, if, if moving is not an option because, like I said, because you have to stay near your family or maybe you're you know, taking care of your mother, I have no idea, um, then definitely I'd find another job. And, you know, there, there's a lot of positions out there, you know, you know especially nowadays. It, it's tough because, like I said, with a pandemic, um, people don't want to work because they're not you know, like, is it safe at, at this place to work? But uh, there's there's so many positions that they that, that that's available, and oh, you know yes. it may not be what you want, but you know you kind of have to do what you have to do um, in order to, to to survive at the moment, you know. Yeah, especially in the uh, restaurant and the retail industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's all about you know when when it comes to situations like this, it's sometimes the. The, the necessity to do something outweighs the, the the wants your your own personal wants and needs. You know, you, you can't immediately get what you want. You know, uh, you know at first sight. You know, you're not just immediately going to get you know the the cushy, you know, job. You know, right out the gate. You know, you do have mm-hmm. to pay your dues. I mean, and not not to say that it doesn't happen happen for people, but you know, for most it doesn't. I think the person has to overcome their fear for the moment, drive to mm-hmm. work. It's only 40 minutes out. Um, well, not really too far compared to how I usually drive, <laughs> but I think 40 <laughs> minutes, 40 minutes would really, you know, would really work well for that person. But at the same time, that person too should start looking for options that that's mm-hmm. best. I mean, while going through that, I think so. Yeah. I, I think the person should just start looking for options, good options. Yeah. That can benefit yeah, him. Can't can't just stay in his situation because yeah even if he starts driving now now there's there's you've got your expensive gas now yeah especially start and stop you know I, you know even on the on the interstate there's going to be a bunch of traffic so um there's a, a lot more wear and tear on your car there's maintenance on your car now because you're putting more miles on it so it's it's, it's tough there's always going to be something something that's there so yeah, while while he's doing this, then you're right. He has to go ahead and look for his options at the same time. I think too that perhaps people at work could be very understanding of the matter, and if a per and if one of them actually lives right near uh, near that that person, they can oh. always do a little bit of some ride sharing of their own. You know, that could oh, that's actually a good, that's, that yeah, that's a good some, idea. Uh, cost, especially doing those ride sharing things. Oh yeah, because you know. Uh, you know, putting in a few bucks for gas for a carpool is definitely much better than uh, paying, you know, 40, 50 bucks for an Uber. Right. All right. But, uh, yeah. That's a good one. Hopefully it works out. It's, I hope so, too. You know, some, some, some tough scenarios. Are, are very, very tough scenarios. <laughs> and yeah, Dan, these are actually based on real life um, oh. people that I know. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, good luck to everybody. <laughs> and I hope this helps them out. Yeah. All right. You ready for this last one, Dan? Okay. All right. Someone who's very versatile and multi-talented in her hobbies has the capability to do so much. If given the time to do so, however, however, her present jobs overworks her too much, maybe up to six or seven days, even the whole week um, that she's starting to completely give up on her passion. What is the best approach to her balancing her life again? Well, definitely, you know, your job should 
afford you work-life balance, but it's not always the case. Um, and I guess it depends on what her priorities are. If, if her passion is something that she thinks that she could actually make a living at, that she would want to do for the rest of her life, then then don't stop at that, you know. Mm-hmm. And second, do it while while you can. I don't know, you know, if if she's you know young, if she's married, or you know she's on her own. But definitely, if you're in that situation where you you are younger and you may not have so many attachments, do it now, um, whatever you can, because um, it'll only get harder um, as you you know get uh, get older. You're going to get more commitments. You, you know, you'll have a mortgage. You know, you may have a husband or a wife to think about, um, and then also just your job. You know, if you're, it, it's different when you're at you've been at your job for two years than when you've been at your job for eighteen years. And then you like you're fully vested in your job where you've got like you know uh, retirement benefits 401k and you know so that's tougher to do it as time goes on that decision becomes harder yeah. so um yeah, but if her job is taking up that much of her time i mean another thing is is this something that she signed up for you know if i've heard of a lot of jobs where you know they promise you one thing say hey it's, you mm-hmm. know you'd be working you know, 40 hours, five days a week. And they say, no, no, you have to start working overtime. You have to start doing that. And granted jobs can do that, but is it, is it worth that? And, and if another thing, a lot of people don't realize is, is it legal? You know, mandatory overtime right now is not illegal, but if they are promising something, is it, is it legal? Is it ethical? Maybe something to bring up with, you know, you know, the EOC or I mean, I'm a labor commission. I have no idea, <laughs> but, um, Going back to her passion, like I said, if it's something that she would really want to do, um, then she needs to, like I said, when she can find the time to do it, like I said, don't don't stop. You you kind of have to put in that double work, even if it's the same amount of work as doing a second job. You you can't just let it go, you know. And the reason I say that is because um, it's regret is tough. And when I look back on things that I didn't do or that I put off and then I finally did them, I'm like, well, why didn't I do this a long time ago? I should have done it, you know, 10 years ago and it would have been so much easier for me now. But I kept putting it off because of things like, oh, well, you know, I had to do inventory for my job or whatever, you know, things that weren't as necessary. Um, And so when I finally got around to doing the things that I actually wanted to do, I was like, I wasted so much time not doing this. So, um, yeah, regret is, is tough, but, um, and you know, it goes again to like how important is your job? You know, is, you know, people say, sure, you need a paycheck, but is is it worth taking up, you know, most of your life, you don't have work-life balance. There's always other jobs out there and it's not going to be easy to get Mm -hmm. one, but you have to, you can't just say, well, you know, I'm just going to be happy with, with what I got. You know, uh, if that was the case, that you know everybody would be unhappy with where they are and, and never try new things and never try to succeed. So, I, I think that she should start networking. I think maybe put the the hobbies down for a bit and start looking to maybe um, there could be an opportunity if you know uh, someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Networking is a, is a big part of it, you know, because mm-hmm. that could help get your, your foot in the door. And so, and it, it, like I said, it's about her, her, 
her passion. Yeah. You know, what she's gifted at. Maybe she needs to have a job that's linked to, you know, to what she likes to do. Yeah, that, that, that might be able to get her foot in the door with that. And, mm-hmm. and, is, and like I said, is it something that, you know, because sometimes people are good at something yeah. and they just want it to be a hobby, you know, but then there are other people that are good at something, but they want it to be what they want to do for the rest of their life. Yeah. And so, you know, plan it out. Is, if it is something that you think you can do for the rest of your life, plan it out and find out, can I survive off this? Can I make a living off of this? Can I, you know make a business out of this on my own if I wanted to. Um, or if it, you know, like if she plays the cello, you know, and, and that's her passion, you know, is, is she good enough to, uh, you know, to be part of an orchestra or is it something that she might want to be a business on her own to, to start a quartet, to, you know, to do events. Um, but whatever it takes, you, it, it, it's not enough to just be good at something, um, living you have to look at the the actual aspect of it uh-huh. as well i mean a lot of people think that you know i'm super talented so that will hold me um but like I said, there's always a business side to it if, if you look at it that's why so many restaurants fail because you have a super talented chef even if they're like you know uh an award-winning chef if they don't know the business side of it the restaurant will almost always fail because they think that the food will be good enough to keep people coming back and I, I mean I know this for a fact I know a lot of people that are on food trucks or restaurants and that's always the case that's why you see a lot of um, chefs will have a business partner in the restaurant and they run the business side of it mm-hmm. so so like I said that's something you, just just being good at what at your passion isn't good enough to like I said to, to just uh do it to make a living off of yeah it's hard to to hold on to many hats especially if you're in a business like mm-hmm. uh like a, a certain certain individual is good for for this role and you're mm-hmm. good, you're good at what you do and you stick with it mm-hmm. yeah. exactly but uh i mean I, I if this is something that she wants to do for her, i really hope that she she pursues it because there's nothing better than doing something you love as as a job that's true hmm. good point there dan and that's what and of course the, the the mantra the the saying you know you if you live life once you might as well just you know give it a shot right uh, that's true i mean like like i said a regret is always the biggest thing i i never i seldom regret things that i do i mostly regret things that i didn't do man i, I wonder what what is it in my life that I regret doing? <laughs> We're wasting time. I was gallivanting. My mom is still getting on my case with that to this very day. Oh, so you see, John? You see? You see what happens to you, John? <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like, you know, yeah. I bagged groceries for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, sure, you know, I was going to, you know, to college at the time, but, you know, it's kind of not trying to be, I, I didn't really have any goals, you know, and it was just, there's so much that I could have been doing. And then when I see, you know, the things that I do now, I'm like, I could have been doing this 20 years ago. Uh So, but you know, at at least I, I'm happy that I have the opportunity to to do what I love now. Um, So that really helped. I did not know you were into video, Dan. (laughs) I really didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and like I said, I, I thought it was, you know, a hobby, but you know, um, 
that I, when I got my job, um, you know, over 20 years ago, I said, oh, I'm, I'm in a great job now. I've got, I've got a real job and, you know, I've got some great benefits. And that's why I'm still in that job. But um, lucky enough for me, I used my past filmmaking and video um, to be able to have them create a job for me at my company. So at least I'm doing that and um, just doing it on my own now with my own company. So 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 that helps. But like I said, if, if I would have been serious about it, you know, back in the day, then I, I probably would, would be a lot further now. Yeah, same here. I was just fooling around, wasting time with friends, and look where it got me. Could have been somebody. I could have been doing something great. I could have honed my craft onto something, but no. Yeah, and this is my this is my life, and I accept it. Yeah, I mean, but you know, on the other way to look at it is like if you changed any of the other decisions that you made, then you wouldn't be where you are now with the people. So, so everything for a reason. That's but, true. You know, but yeah. but you know, take advantage of it while you can, especially with everything that's been going on with like the pandemic, you, you see, I mean, life is short. I mean, I've known people that have passed away, um, you know, because of, you know, COVID, but, uh, they, it's made a lot of people realize that, you know, that don't put things aside, you know, do, do what you can. I, and, and you'll see there's a, a big surge in, in, uh, employment and companies where people are quitting or retiring early because they're, they're realizing it now that you know, life is short. Yes, indeed. Well, thanks, Dan, for pitching in some good info on these situations, dude. I mean, really, thank you. And um, these are actually, once again, inspired by real-life people who are going through through these. And hopefully your input will certainly make a difference in someone else's life because, you know, we really want to see great things happen for, for each one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish everybody, you know, the best um, and I, what I say may, may be meaningless because we don't know people's situations. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what they're going through. I mean, uh, hopefully something that I said may help, but, uh, you know, uh, unless we're living in people's shoes, we don't know why people do what they do. But, uh, yeah. And like I said, I, I, I hope, hope this helps somebody. Yeah. Well, gang, I will conclude this episode with the following shout-outs. Yes, I'm going to finish it out here. All right, Gold from Michigan, you just turned 18 years old. Wow, you are growing up so fast. Please let us stop. Just kidding. It was nice having you on one of our recent podcast episodes. Stacy from Virginia, good things are coming soon. Keep up the wonderful work in life. To my friends from the liquor store, Tito, Julianne, Heather, and Vanessa, it's good to know you guys are doing well elsewhere. Hopefully, we'll have a forthcoming reunion someday. John from Virginia, you have a tremendous fighting spirit, especially going against stage four metastatic colon cancer. Here's to kicking its ass, my friend. Oh, I have something special here, everyone. Something recently encouraged, I mean, someone actually recently encouraged my friend John in seeing the blue skies. And this is coming from the one and only Brent Spiner. Yes. The Brent Spiner, known for playing Commander Data on Star Trek The Next Generation. So here's the soundbite exclusively right here on 2400 Block. Hello, John. It's Brent Spiner here. I'm looking for some light. There it is. Uh, All right. Now, I haven't done this in about 20 years, so uh, I don't remember very much of it. But it goes a little bit like this. Blue skies smiling at me. 
Nothing but blue skies do I see. Blue days, all of them gone. Nothing but blue skies from now on. I never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. And I don't remember any more of this song, John, but I wanted to sing it to you and send you my very best. And I want you to keep thinking about those blue skies. Take care, John. All the best to you, sir. And once again, that was the Brent Spiner. And he's encouraged John uh, about the blue skies and John himself has been showing remarkable progress so far. So that's good news. And uh, John himself has inspired me as well. I created a character based on him for my latest book project and John felt honored. Lastly, a big shout out to the actor himself, Brent Spiner, for, for his video piece. And you absolutely made a huge difference in someone else's life. I can't thank you enough for doing that. Well, there's my shout out, Dan. What do you think? Oh, that was awesome. And, and great encouraging words from Brent Spiner too. Yeah, he, yeah, it was very wonderful. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening to the latest episode of the 2400 Block. I appreciate you, and we look forward to uh, doing more again soon. Let's do it. What lies behind you and what lies in front of you pale in comparison to what lies inside you? Man, one more time, let's do it one more time. What lies behind you and what lies in front of you pale in comparison to what lies inside you? How, how does that make you feel? I mean, let's get down to it. It doesn't matter what you did before. Those things are already done. Uh, there's things that you want to do. Those things are in front of you. But both of those things pale in comparison to what's inside of you. Not me. You. What's inside of you? What dreams and aspirations do you have? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? Who's the person that's inside you that's waiting to get out? And if this person was to get out, what would happen? What would you become? What would you do? Who would you be? Again, that's in front of you. But all that starts with what's inside of you. Ladies and gentlemen, this quote is so awesome. Ask yourself what it is that lies inside of you. And if that person's not coming out yet, what is it going to take to get that person to come out? Again, what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pale in comparison, excuse me, pales in comparison to what lies inside of you. Who said that? Ralph Waldo Emerson. Guys, this is a fantastic day. Let's go get this day started. Have a great day. This day gets started when you get started. So let's get it going and be your best self. Take care, everybody. Again, this is Ed. Hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to 2400 Block, a Johnny Rubes and Company podcast. Feel free to follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and other audio streaming platforms wherever podcasts are heard.